Hi, Jovi. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Jess. I can't believe you have me back. <laughs> back by popular demand, oh, I can't tell dear. you. Oh, dear. Oh, <laughs> dear. No, I had people emailing me, texting me, you know, sending me all sorts of messages saying, oh, my gosh, I've been in tears. She was so beautiful. But how did she maintain such joy and peace? So that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. Um, I wanted to um, see, I mean, we live in a day and age which is characterised by extraordinary amount of anxiety and lack of peace. Um, I was reading yesterday, I think it was, that one in 35 young adults experience depressive disorders. And, yes. and you think, you know, so my question is you, after enduring such a painful experience, you know, something that any parent just would dread, how do you maintain your peace? Goodness. I mean, it, I th- it's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. I think take it in stages. I can't, I, I can't tell you there's, there's um, it, it's just such a multifactorial answer. And I, I, the thing I think I want to talk about first is the cloud of witnesses that surrounded us after the tragedy that happened to us. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I've always been, quite enthralled with the idea of the communion of saints but it was so palpable for us in that time from the very beginning and just grew and grew to the point where sometimes we just felt like we were on this life raft being carried by the prayers of of all these people we knew were praying like people around the globe and Mm. can can you explain to our listeners some may not know what the communion of saints is oh right well it's 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 the followers of jesus christ who are brothers and sisters so it's it's the community of saints is is he us here below on mm. here on earth the faithful but it's also the those in heaven and and it's it's a thin veil between us so they they can pray for us it is their job to pray for us and um together they form the community of saints the mm. cloud of witnesses that um that are faithful to jesus christ and and pray yeah yeah, so we never felt so carried carried by that. And I, I think it's – I'm just going to go on, Jess. Can I just keep no, talking? Oh, no, for sure. Because <laughs> you're what just, you're here for. You have to hang up on me to shut me up. <laughs> I won't hang up on you. Um, <laughs> I, I actually had um, uh, one, one listener say, I just wanted to keep – I just wanted her to keep on talking. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so off you go. Okay. I, talking I can. Talking I can do. Um. I, so I, I do want to tell you about the, the day after Teddy died, um, mm. he surrounded me, it was at a 5.30 PM. Um, so by that stage, there were quite a few people in my house, people who had flown up from Sydney, people who were just, who also lived where we lived on the coast, but, um, who were coming by and our house was just crowded, mm. um, which was the best thing ever. Like at first I just, we just thought, no, we, we want to be on our own, but honestly, like people knew better and they yeah. just came. They came. Even if someone ever says, no, we want to be on our own, don't, don't listen to them. Yeah. It's the worst thing. And um, anyway, by that stage, so there were about what, 10 of us that got in several cars and went to mass. And that, that mass was so beautiful for me because it was celebrated by a priest we knew quite well. Since we'd moved to that area, we'd um, really grown to quite love him. He'd come over to dinner a couple of times. He'd come over to dinner about a week before Teddy died and um, – was trying to help he has he's no idea with kids to be honest I love him but <laughs> brother Stephen you don't 
anyway, he hasn't been around kids much and he was trying to feed Teddy dinner for me while I was making dessert. And, he made um, a bigger mess. <laughs> yeah, I can't say much was achieved, but um, <laughs> he was just such a, a priest that was so, that knew our family and, and hearing him celebrate Mass, he was weeping the whole time oh. and, and almost shaking. And um, it, I can't tell you how much that moved me to know that he was with us in that moment. He was with us yeah. in the pain and he was walking with us. Um, yeah. because it felt so lonely at first, but gradually from that moment, um, I mean, that, that mass was special in many ways, because I'll just mention this here that, um, I just felt so empty that all I, I don't you know, I wasn't listening to the mass really, but I, mm. all I remember saying over and over was I've got nothing. I've got nothing. You're all I have. Mm. Lord, you, you, you're the only thing I have now that can bring me forward in life that can, make me ever happy again or that can bring me to see my son, mm. you know, you're it. And so I've just, that's, and it wasn't even anything more than that. It wasn't like, a, and so I place all my trust in you or anything grand like that. It was just, yeah, I've got nothing. I've, but you're, you're those it. simplest prayers are, are often the, the best. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think they're, so, they're raw and honest. Yeah. And that's a moment that I, you know, returned to a bit over the next few months as I was, as we were recovering, but it's, I think it's when we're, when, was when we're most empty that he's most able to fill us up. Sure, and wow. um, yeah. Yeah. How beautiful. And I think also seeing a priest being so human and being so touched. Yes. And, and weeping with you. Yes. It's such a, a binding moment. Yeah, and in the mass as well, like yeah. while offering up our Lord, it was just, it was just so raw and touching for me, and I'll li- I'll never forget that. Wow, mm. how lovely. Um, yeah, keep you can keep talking, or I can fire a question. Oh, um, I think I think what I was trying to say is the communion of saints and oh, yes. all all the people that surrounded us in that time, the people that came to my house uninvited, and I was so grateful for that. The people that. Um, oh gosh, I can't just, there were just so many people who did things at the time that, that my, the, the beautiful family that gave up their house for us to hold the wake and, and just made the funeral happen. And, and the people that kept being there after all the events had died down, you know, mm. the people who arranged to visit, the people who dropped everything and flew up just for a day to be with us. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how unalone that makes you feel how accompanied mm. that 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 makes you feel and that's the like I think you just get so worried you'll get slowed up you'll get swallowed up by the pain and the loneliness yeah. and um we both just felt so embraced and loved yeah wow so, so I mean that's in the initial stages once mm. everyone's gone and the house is quiet again mm. Mm. how do you then trust God I suppose like you had you know he's taken your son how do you from a human point of view trust him I mean that's that's hard yeah I don't have a simple answer for that I think (laughs) I think I honestly think people were just praying so hard for us yeah that the the only thing we could do is trust God we um like (laughs) We just felt so, so I, don't, I can't, I just felt like so many people were praying. They must have been praying because we, 
we felt calm and we did feel peaceful as as things went on. I, I remember thinking, when am I going to have my breakdown? Hmm. When am I going to just be able to, when am I just going to have to crawl into bed and, and never get up? And then it never happened. I had a two-year-old boy and, you know, you can't crawl into bed when you've got a two-year-old. You just keep going. And, yeah. um, and I had an, even, even actually from, a lot of my friends who were not Christian at all, they, they knew the importance of just being around and checking in and saying, hey, do you want to go here or hmm. do you want to go play a date? And I think it just, I just realised life, life would go on and God was providing for me in ways that I would never have thought. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. also um, realising that he's a good, good father and this, he's not doing this to punish you. No, no. He's doing, you know, this as painful as it is, it is a good thing. I think we, we touched on that last time. Yes, yes. And I've seen that many times since then. I think I can't remember the first time I started to realise that having a member of our family praying for us in heaven was going to be the greatest gift we'd ever received. Hmm. Um, it just became more and more apparent. I think the first time I ever heard Max pray, say, Teddy, pray for us, like, it, you know, we, we taught him to do that, but it was just when he actually managed to learn to say that, I was like, you, you have someone who you spend eight months with every single day who knows mm. you better than anyone. Mm. You, have, you have him in heaven now and he, he will get you to heaven. Like, he yeah. will help you reach our Lord. And um, I was like, okay, this is, this, is, this is greater than any gift that Max could have been given. So Yeah. So, so you have had another baby after Teddy. Yes, I did. Yes. How do you deal with that? Can you, can you give Uh, us? uh, Not in an exemplary way. Um. (laughs) In a very human way, which we all are. Yeah. So I was pretty detached. Like even though I had begged God for another child um, in the early stages, well, really, most of the stage of the pregnancy, I was really detached from Zoe. I wasn't excited. I didn't let myself get excited. I didn't let myself hope. Um, I didn't think about when I would meet her or what it would be like to have a daughter. Um, was this self-preservation? Yes, very much so, I think. Mm. I, um, I just didn't dare let myself hope that she would actually make it live to, to birth and live yeah. through her infancy and... Um, yeah, I, yeah, I was just really detached and, um, I didn't buy any girl's clothes. I was, yeah. Did, an did you know it was a girl? I did. I found out because I thought it would be good for me. Yes. Um, and Gabe encouraged me in that he, he wanted to find out as well. And when we found out it was a girl, it was really good because I think, you know, when you have, when you're having another baby, you just kind of picture them the same as your older yes. next one. And, yeah. and, and this time I really, I was able for me to realize it's not just another Teddy. She's a girl. She's. Yes. her own person and yes. um yeah so that was good for me but towards the end of my pregnancy I um I had a patient at work oh gosh I should probably tell you about going back to work but anyway that's that's another question um but um, remember it remember it yeah yeah because there were little affirmations in that as well um but anyway so I had a patient at work and she, I didn't really know her uh, it was the first time I'd met this patient and she'd come in for some scripts I think and I don't know how it came up but she mentioned something that had happened to her like 40 years ago, like a medical problem. And I said, oh, how, why did that happen to you at such a young age? And she said, oh, I was pretty stressed because I, I had just had a baby with a cot death. And um, 
I was very unprofessional and I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, did, I wrote the scripts and everything and then I was like, look, can I, can I ask you a question? And um, she was very good to me. Obviously, you know, she was very understanding and, and I said, I explained what happened and I said, do you have any advice? Because she could see I was heavily pregnant. Hmm. And she said, you know, I never let myself get close to the baby I had after my son died. Never let myself really get attached. And um, to this day, I, you know, we still don't have a close relationship and I really regret that. It was, mm. um, yeah. And, and um, it, really, it really made me realise, hey, you've got to put your head into gear and, and realise that you, you can, it is your duty to love this child. And, and not that she didn't love the child or not that I was ever not going to love Zelly, but um, God has given you this child. He's, he's answered your prayer. Mm. So keep praying because he listens to you, you know, have yeah. hope. Yeah. He will, he will listen to your prayers. He'll come through for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He will deliver. He is a loving God. He's a merciful God. And, um, you know, I still felt that if God decides that this child is not for earth, I, I will have to accept that. But, um, it, it, I, it allowed myself to start hoping and looking forward to her presence and delighting in her. After after her conversation or after that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, I suppose you you kind of don't want to become attached because you don't want to be hurt. So yes. it's probably as soon as you've been given that, it's okay to to uh, I don't know to when you become vulnerable enough to let your feelings be hurt, then you yes. can love. Yes, she just made me see how how ludicrous a position is to try and remain un, in, invulnerable to your child. Hmm. Like I, I just realised I, I can't have a whole being grow up and. Yes. Yes. And, and me not look forward to every birthday, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It made me realise what I'd been given, the gift I'd been given and the chance I'd been given. Yeah. Um, now, pe- when I'm looking at peace and you see that people think that if they can control a situation, then they can derive peace from it. When actually when you kind of surrender and let go of that control and hand it over to God, as you were saying with the pre, when you were in the the mass after Teddy died, Mm. um, that, that letting go of control and just trusting things brings so much more peace of heart I think because we, we can't control things and we just are scrambling to try and control and the more we try and take control, the less, the, the more uh, disruptive things become. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think the, <laughs> the greatest illusion we ever put ourselves under is that we can control our lives. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know. But even, even actually going down to birth, um, you can't control that. Like people try to control everything in, in my 15 point birth plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But everything try, everyone, they try to control every aspect of their life and God nature just show you in one foul swoop that even birth, you can't control. Yes. Like even, even with an epidural and all, you know, you still can't really control. You can kind of monitor things. I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I look. I I I experienced this a lot after Zelly was born, my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I was kind of, look, I can't say I was a nervous wreck, but I was just like, what? I kept asking myself, what can I do to make sure that this child lives? Yeah. What can I do? And so I, um, I look, I'm, I'm, I, I've read up on the literature. I know, I kind of know what works and what doesn't work like in, in, in trials that they've done um, in terms of younger siblings of SIDS babies. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to discuss this with someone who, who knows a lot about this. So I went and saw um, the best pediatrician in the area I was living in. And he's mm-hmm. quite well-renowned. And he knew what the question was. Like my, I had a newborn baby in my arms. He knew my history. And, um, and I asked the question, I was like, so what can I do? What do you think about a sleep study? What do you think about apnea monitors? What do you think about this? And, mm-hmm. and I just fired all these questions and he just looked at me and he said, Jovi, I've seen countless SIDS cases mm. and I've even seen cases where mums have, have died in their mother's arms, a mother who was an anaesthetist in a hospital at the time and they were resuscitated instantaneously with all the drugs right there and all yeah. the equipment right there and they still didn't make it. Wow. And I, was, wow. I was so like, this is not what I was – and I just said, what is your point? Yeah, well, that didn't help me. <laughs> yeah, and he said – he basically was very blunt and he said, we don't understand it, but when a child, when that, when that happens, you're not, we can't bring them back. Hmm. And it just, I, I think for some people might think that's just the most heartless thing to say, but hmm. for me, it was a moment of, I cannot control this. It was a total realization that I could try all the things in the world and it's still way beyond my control. And I, I just let go when I was... It was, I guess you could call it a, just a resignation. I can't say it was anything particularly spiritual, but, hmm. or, or maybe it was a little bit defeatist, but I, I was actually peaceful after that. I, yeah, I, I realized I've got this girl and I don't ha- have any control over how long she lives, but I will enjoy every moment. And I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll, I will do my best. I will, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll do the things I can do that are reasonable and God, it's up to you. That's, that's the deal. Okay. I'll do my yeah. part and I'll leave you to do your part. I'm not sure what your part is, but mm. I'll let you do your part. God. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, how, that trusting God, um, I, there has to be an element of faith there. Not only an element, there has to be faith there. Yes. How, I know a, f- a few women who are, are angry and bitter um, because of, you know, he's taken their children too early. What, how, do, how do we get across? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, there is an image that someone told me very early on of, of the tapestry. I don't know if you've ever heard this, no, this concept going. in grief. Um, so if you look at a big tapestry, a be- beautiful, big, you know, there's ones that you see in the Vatican Museums, the tapestries yes. that are just magnificent works of art if you look at them from the back they don't look like anything they look like a jumble of knots knots (laughs) and it it makes no sense but on the other side just just a very you know take a few steps and just the other side of that tapestry is the most beautiful creation one of the most beautiful creations in the world and and someone told me we can only see this side of the tapestry Hmm. and and it can make it can be ugly and it can be and we can make no sense of it and it can be infuriating. But God sees it all. And 
I, I think when I, I can't understand why I've never been angry. Maybe it's still coming, Jess. I don't know. <laughs> no. But it just, I, I just, I honestly think people have just been praying so much for my peace of heart and I'm really grateful what? for all the prayers. He's but... not called the Prince of Peace for nothing, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it is very true. Very yeah. true. I, oh, yeah. I, I love that analogy about, with the tapestry. That's beautiful. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it has helped me a lot. And, um, and, a nun friend of mine also sent me a poem called The Weaver by, oh, goodness. I haven't even got my laptop here. I can't look it up. <laughs> oh, I could tell you. Hang on. I don't know. If, um, yes, The Weaver by B.M. Franklin. I don't know if it's Benjamin Franklin. I wonder if it is. I've never oh, thought yeah. about that. Um, gosh, I don't do oh, – well. I don't have my laptop here. I, <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could read it. It's four stanzas. I don't know if you want me to read go for, it. No, but... go for it. Yeah. Okay. So my life is just a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot change the colour for he works most steadily. Oft times he weaves the sorrow and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Until the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly, will God roll back the canvas and explain the reason why? The dark threads are as needful in the skillful weaver's hand as the golden threads of silver he has patterned into his plan. Yeah. And so I think every time that I think, oh, why is this so hard? I just think I cannot wait to see it all. You will show me. <laughs> you will show me the plan and you will show me all the things I cannot see. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful poem. Beautiful. I wonder if it is him. We'll have to get on Google after this, Jess. <laughs> the Weaver, was the it? The Weaver, yeah. All right, I'll put that in the show notes. The Weaver. So um, you know, yeah, I know. You know, the <laughs> other thing that um, I actually should mention here is the Litany of Trust by the Sisters of Life. Have yeah. you read, I'm sure you would have read that. Do you know? <laughs> read that. Do you know? I think I have about. Ten of those cards being sent to me. It's, it's quite funny every time I get a new one because I have a few friends in the Sisters of Life and they've all been very generous and sent me things. And, um, yeah, I'm very close to a mother of one of the Sisters of Life and she's sent me. <laughs> every time I get one, I'm like, wow, Gabe, I really have to pray this thing. <laughs> have you not prayed it? No, I have, I have. <laughs> but you would think it would be like a daily thing for me and that I would know. But I just have these cards scattered everywhere that every now and then remind me. I'm just hopeless really. Um, but our Lord eventually gets through to me. He sends me <laughs> ten of these in order to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all right. As long as it gets through, it doesn't matter how long it oh, takes. Oh, gosh. Yes. It's in the process. Yeah. Um, I'll put that in the show notes too because that prayer just blew my mind. I thought it was beautiful. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Let's see. Um, I'm just having a look here of what I've scribbled on my paper. Oh, that's right. There is a book called Searching for a Maintaining Peace by Father Jacques Philippe mm. and he speaks in so many it's it's a really simple book to read. Yes. Very short and gosh it's beautiful. Yes. It has the most beautiful um lessons I suppose in learning how to maintain interior peace and I'll put that in the show notes. Um but the devil all he really wants to do is destroy our peace. 
because he realizes that peace, you know, God can do so good when, well, he is the bearer of peace. And when we are, have a disposition of peace, he can do such good things because he dwells there. And he just, I think the devil just wants to destroy our peace and you are such a testament to somebody that the devil cannot stand to be around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, I hope so. You are. Um, I'll just laugh in his face. You've got nothing. You have nothing. nothing anyway. How beautiful. Anyway, I'll put that book in the show notes because it is such a beautiful yeah. book. Have yeah. you read it? I, I parts have, of it. I, I have read parts of, of it. I'm so terrible. <laughs> so I've got all these Jacques Philippe books. I actually went when he was in Sydney like yes, four years ago. Too. I went to I went to hear him speak and I bought all his books and um Yeah. Don't I, worry. I think I just dabble only, in each of them. Yeah, me too. And I've got another one next to my bed too, the one about um mercy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yep. don't think I've read that either. Yeah. But it's I, you know Ironically, the one I really struggle to actually get anywhere in is Time for God. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's like you have no time for this anyway. I have um, plenty of time. <laughs> I what did I, what did I want to tell you? Oh goodness, no, it's all right. It'll come to you. It'll, uh, it'll probably come to me. I hope. Um, the weaver. That's beautiful. I'll write that down. Um, control. We've spoken about that. Oh. Uh, I don't know. What's brought you joy oh. this week? Or have you remembered? I've remembered. And I just want to say, I know I always talk about this family, but the Martin family. Oh, yes. <laughs> of Lizia, of Alençon and Lizia. Um, so this is St. Louis and Zelie and their five living daughters, one of whom is a canonized saint, another of whom the cause is open. I, oh, really? They help, I, think, I think in moments when I'm low or really just not in the frame of mind, I'm just thinking, hmm. Why did this happen? Um, I, I think of the big picture because, you know, we have the record of how painful it was for that mother to lose children, for, lose a child four times, mm. four times. One of them, like, you know, in her arms, you know, they suffered, they died and, and she buried them. Um, and it's so pain. Like some of the things she writes is just like, oh, I can't read this because it's just so... It's, painful. it's really, it is so painful because she just, she wanted more children, you know, she just really wanted, anyway. Does that, uh, does that frighten you? Um, well, they all died of different things. So I don't, as in the idea of having another baby die or. Yes. Yes. Or, or yeah. Um, look, it does because I think, you know, Gabe and I have always really pictured a big family and um, I, I think the, oh, yeah, it, it does really scare me. It, well, it, it kind of makes me realise that the, your vision of exactly exactly how your life is going to be or what size family you need to be happy. It's yeah. kind of like, it's yeah. like people who think, you know, a certain size house yeah. you need to be happy. Yeah. It's, it, it, children aren't a, yeah. I, yeah. I just, yeah, I realise our family will be what it is God meant to be. God wants it to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so basically what I'm trying to say is I think – reading of their sufferings helps me see the big picture because Zelie and Louie always just had the eye on the prize. They always knew that there would be suffering in this life and this life is also full of joy, but none, none of it compares, none of that joy compares to the joy um, of heaven, the joy of heaven. Mm. And 
I there's a beautiful icon of them. I don't know who painted it, but I was sent it. We were sent it shortly after Teddy died, and it's a beautiful icon of their whole family, including the four heavenly children, hmm. um, all gathered together. Are they and all in a line? The, the the living ones are all in a line, and the four children who passed are kind of in their parents' arms. Oh, okay. It's 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 really quite beautiful, and it helps me realize all of this will be nothing. Yeah. Um, because that is, I, I don't, want to, I don't want to say we, we just wish away our earthly time, but no. um, because we don't, this is the life we've been given, and it's a beautiful life, and God is good, and there is much truth, beauty, and goodness here, and it's, um, you know, Jesus spent thirty three years here living his life, mm. and and um, I just think it's always good to see the big picture, and I, I'm always reminded of it. You know, my four, my nearly four year old son talks about heaven nearly all the time. It's quite. <laughs> It's quite beautiful. Oh, you're so. there? Yes. Hello? Yeah, your four-year-old son says what? Oh, he talks about heaven nearly all the time. Oh. <laughs> and it's a real gift. Yeah. yeah. You, you just sounded like you were singing there for a second, but that's okay. Oh. It was your celestial voice it must have been. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, how beautiful. To have the, my, mine just had glow-in-the-dark rosary beans. <laughs> <laughs> they, they sound like fun, I'm I want some. Well, he only wants them because they glow. <laughs> anyway, we live in the, we try, we try our best. We do try, we try. And we don't control everything, Jess. No, no. <laughs> I, I, no. I've handed that over many years ago. But Very it's good. a daily struggle, I must admit. You know, the, okay, I'm going to tell you one more thing because I know I, I don't shut up, but this is going to be the last thing. And that is um, a, a, a mother that I really love and respect has this thing that she's said many times and I've seen her advise many other people the same thing and it is make really good friends with your children's guardian angels. Oh. And that has been a real um, uh, help well, to I'm, me. I love it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm going to do that. My daughter's going overseas on Sunday. I'm going to be really super good friends with her guardian angels. Besties, besties, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes, there's another trust when your daughter mm. goes to Europe by herself. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I think you should do your own podcast next time about how you're coping. <laughs> Gin and tonic. <laughs> no, I'll cry. All right. Thank you so much for coming back. I know what? it's not easy with two little ones. Oh, thank you. No, it's good. I think, I think my husband's home now. So, oh, um, good, good timing. I can, I can go and say hello. I've been busy waiting for you. Um, what has brought you joy this week, Jess? Oh, thanks, Jovi. I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, my youngest had grommets put in uh, last week. So this week, just the he's hearing things that he hasn't heard before, just subtle sounds. And the other day, it was Sunday morning, he, he was lying out by the heater with one of his sisters and I was, my bedroom's near where they were and I was just in bed and I heard, what's that sound? And my daughter piped up and said, oh, Harry, sorry, I just farted. (laughs) (laughs) So he could hear all these subtle sounds. Oh, the joys of hearing wind breaking. (laughs) That's awesome. Stop laughing. What about you, Jovi? What's brought you joy this week? Uh, my, mine has nothing to do with, with bowel habits, unfortunately. With fla- fluxulence? No, fluxulence. <laughs> um, I got to catch up 
over the weekend with a dear friend who's just made first vows um, in the Sisters of Life, Sister Mary Grace, and it was just heavenly spending time with her and seeing how full of joy she is at how having made beautiful. first vows. Yeah. So, was- so first vows, then how long after is it? called second vows um, final vows okay so first and final yes but is there something before that um so usually there's a year of postulancy where they're not wearing the habit right. they're just trying it out and seeing if it fit, if seeing if the the life the habit fits not the habit, <laughs> well, no, the I, habit think, fits, I think beautifully i think they're like sewing their habit that whole year like they sew oh, their wow. own habit yeah it's quite beautiful um and and then it's two years of novitiate and then after that they make um first vows Right. Yes. Do, so, they, do they have short hair underneath? They or, do. They do. So as in boy short or just like a bob? I, I've never seen. I can't be sure. It's, um, it's a thing of reference. I, I think um, actually sister said sometimes if they're like playing basketball or, or frisbee or something like that, and if a veil gets pulled off, all the sisters will look away while that sister refits. Oh, wow. It's just a real thing of reverence. How yeah, beautiful. so I don't, I don't know what's underneath the veil, but I do know their hair gets cut. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, how beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. she's in New York. She is in New York, yes. But I, she'll be missioned to Toronto for some time. Oh, really? Yes, because they have a mission there. Oh, wow. Okay. Lord knows Canada. Yes. Great. All yeah. right. That's, how beautiful. That's so joyful. Yes, yeah. It I'm is. glad she brought you joy this week. She brought me so much joy. She brought me enough joy to last. Till next time you see her. Till next time. <laughs> <laughs> Nuns just have this amazing, um, oh, that's right, your husband's there. I've got to go. But they've oh, got no. this, they're just so motherly. Oh, yes. They're so warm and, you know, because I, I had a nun at, in, in primary school and, um, she was Sister Bernadette, poor darling. She must have had a bad time when she was near me. But she was always, I always <laughs> found her crank, like she was, I used to zip my zipper up and down and she, I thought she yelled at me. She probably didn't. She probably spoke in a real whisper. And, you know, I just had this, you know, bad feeling about nuns. But since, um, well, growing up, I <laughs> realised that they're, <laughs> they're just so beautiful and they just radiate so much joy. Yes. I just, there's not enough of them. Oh, I know. And it's so funny seeing people stare at her, like walking around with her in like, you know, a main street. Yeah. I just yeah. feel like, I was like, well, why is everyone staring at me? And I was like, oh, they're not staring at not me. Not you. <laughs> and I know their habit is meant to be a sign of heaven. It's an eschatological sign. Oh, and, wow. and it's so true because people will just come up and say, can you please pray for me? People that are probably like no idea or, but can you imagine, like, if you mm. are someone who has no faith but um, just feels like they need prayers, who would you ask? Yeah, you know? that's right. Oh, you see a nun? Yeah. That's it? That's a sign? Yeah. I'm going to go ask her to pray for me. Yeah, it's just beautiful. They are yeah. the sign that we need. Yeah, totally. Mm. How lovely. Yes. All right, your husband's home. Mine's not yet, but, you know, <laughs> that's a story of <laughs> our lives. Um, Thanks for your thank time, you, Jess. Thank Always you so much. To talk to you. Speak to you soon. God bless. Bye. Bye.